This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. I'm here with Colin and Kurt Newitz. What's going on, guys? It's actually Kanaywitz. Yes, yeah, I was going to say, the first person to get it I was going to say, do we pronounce that right? <laughs> what you do? <laughs> it's, it's a hard one. So it looks we'll like you some slice, but it's Kanaywitz. Kanaywitz. So, Kurt, you, you do so many things. I don't even know how to introduce you. How do you want to introduce yourself? You're the SWD guy. All, You're the go-to. All-around all badass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was not, that's nice. Um, yeah, we, we just kind of specialize in the saltwater disposal sector. It's kind of our little, our niche, and we've kind of been here for a couple of years now, and things keep growing and changing, and we're having a good time. So we've had a, like a really long conversation before we hopped on the mic, and I really wish we were recording all of it. We're going to try to recap most of it. So you currently run buyswd.com which is pretty much a marketplace for buyers and sellers of SWDs. How long have you guys been doing that for? We launched the company in July of 2015. So okay. we celebrated our three-year anniversary this year. Okay. I don't know things are running and gunning. So before we hop into where things are going, you, how did you get started? We didn't, we didn't talk about that at all. So yeah. what, got you, what got you in oil and gas? Oh man, that's a good question. It goes back about 20 some odd years, 22 years. I actually cut my teeth working for <laughs> working for an, a, a small independent here in Dallas. And we were drilling horizontal wells, chasing the old chalk play down in the Gulf Coast in mm. East Texas. Oh, okay. So I, I got started working on uh, the finance side okay, and then got into operations. We've pretty much done everything. So I've worked on rigs as well, just like you. Have you? Awesome. Yep. So we developed some horizontal drilling tools, got a little commercial system patented, actually lived in Midland for two and a half years. I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a much different world back then. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, we've done a lot of stuff and we've had a lot of fun. Cool. So... How did you kind of make that that transition over from you know being on the operator side, working for small independents, uh, working on rigs, to getting into the SWD business? How did that transition happen? You know, back in 2010, we had a land services company. We were basically just flipping lease acreage. Had a network of landmen out there securing acreage, picking up leases, and we would go market them to EMPs. And at the time, you know, horizontal drilling was taking off. They were starting to use more water for completions, and we realized, we connected the dots real quick, that saltwater disposal wells were going to be in high demand. And so we ended up getting some lease acreage and permitted for a disposal well down in South Texas when the Eagleford boom started, and uh, we built our first facility. So after that, we ended up acquiring six more, ended up with about seven saltwater disposal wells right before the market went to shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this start. was Alpha SWD, right? This was Five Star. Five Star. SWD. Okay. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. So he built up this SWD business, then the downturn happens. And the crash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what happened then? You know, you're telling us a little bit about what happened during those times. The bottom fell out. Company, you know, revenue declines for you guys. Can you give us a little bit of details on yeah, that Yeah, absolutely. I think we're still kind of licking our wounds from that, as most companies are. 
you know, in 2015, when the commodity prices dropped, all the rigs got stacked up and left Eagleford and there was no flowback water. It was just production water. And the Eagleford shale itself does not have any native formation water. So all the water that's being produced from the Eagleford is all completion fluid. So mm, when the rigs got stacked and there wasn't any continuous drilling and completion operations, water started, you know, diminished pretty rapidly. So it was very competitive and the EMPs really were trying to, you know, save their margins and they put a lot of pricing pressure on all the trucking and disposal companies and they squeezed us down to like a nickel a barrel. So where we were charging what was it before like 50 cents? Well, at the peak, we were charging like a dollar 50 a barrel for oh, wow. flowback water okay. and 75 cents for produced water. So saltwater disposal companies were making money hand over fist. Yeah. There were some months, some of these disposal wells made a million dollars a month. And then when the downturn happened, we could barely pay our electricity bill. Mm-hmm. So it, it was, it was a struggle for a lot of companies, especially the small mom and pops. They just, they didn't have the staying power. They couldn't weather the storm. So how long did you weather the storm before you decided to get out? You know, I sold my interest in the company in May of 15, which was probably at the lowest point part yeah we left a lot of money on the table but i really recognized an opportunity for some consolidation within the saltwater disposal space i figured if companies were closing their doors other companies could come in and buy those assets for way less than replacement value and so i I really kind of put my broker hat on and built my first website in july of 2015 and tried to capitalize on that on the on the industry so it's just kind of grown from there so July 2015, when did you close your first deal? In So for the first few months, we were just getting our listings yeah. and, and creating our inventory. We sold our first our first disposal well in November of okay. 15. And you're like, I think we have something here. I think this is going to work. Yeah. We sold $5.6 million in, in disposals in November and December our first year. And that really gave us proof of concept. And mm-hmm. so we started scaling from there. How did you go about that process? How did you find the sellers and the buyers and connect both sides? I mean, did you guys just have a big network within that industry where you knew all the operators and all the buyers? How are you getting that traffic to drive those acquisitions? And, you know, in the early days, it was a lot of phone calls, you know, just picking up the phone, calling other saltwater disposal operators and asking if they might be interested in selling. And that's how we started building our listings. And then we had to simultaneously grow our buyer base. And so we would do some marketing. I sent out postcards, you know, I'd I'd put some ads in some Mm -hmm. magazines and did some social media stuff. And it's just, it just kind of grew from there. So our, we were basically building both our buyer and our seller base simultaneously. So we figured the more properties we had, the more buyers we had, the more transactions we get completed. So it's a pretty simple formula. Have you all had any like major challenges along the way with kind of getting everything set up? I know that was in 2015. Yes, we've had a ton of challenges. Really, the biggest struggle for us is just managing all of the deal flow. And our CRM that we use, quite frankly, is just a piece of shit. I'm sorry, <laughs> but aren't they all? <laughs> So we adopted it from a real estate platform. And so when I look at it now, it just, it drives me crazy, but it doesn't really fill our needs and Mm -hmm. and doesn't work for our specific industry. So we're actually having to create one from scratch. So 
Yeah, and we'll get into that a little bit. You know, you're showing us all the platforms that you guys are building, your technology stack. So essentially what you're working on is you're taking that kind of that manual process of acting as a broker and putting these transactions together. You're taking that and putting it on a digital platform. That's what you guys have been doing with Buy SWD and Invest SWD. Do you want to tell us a little bit about all the platforms that you are building? I know you've got several in the works in this ecosystem that you guys are, are building out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we realize that the oil and gas industry is kind of behind times as far as technology is concerned. You don't say. Yeah. <laughs> and really technology, we, we really want to leverage this technology that we have today and create platforms for all industry participants, meaning buyers, sellers, vendors, investors, and service providers. We want to give them a way where they can interact and transact in the most efficient manner possible. Mm -hmm. So by creating these platforms, we're essentially really bringing, you know, our antiquated saltwater disposal industry into the current, you know, current age. So people um, aren't familiar. Like let's, let's kind of talk about how it's currently done. I know like we need to get an electrician out on one of our SWDs right now. And I'm literally having to like Google electricians and drum, right? Which most of the people who actually work on wells are not on Google and they're not on listings. And so it's literally word of mouth that I'm having to just call people and be like, who does your work? Right. Yeah. I have, and it's been a week and I still haven't found an electrician to come out to our well. Yeah. You have to, you know, call your Ross about and be like, Hey, do you know any electricians? Like, Oh yeah, I know old Billy Bob up there. And then you get in touch with Billy Bob. He's like, Oh yeah, I know that. Well, that's on so-and-so's land. And it's very, you know, yeah. very integrated process. That's the industry. That's how it works. So creating platforms, which help guys like you find, get access to the resources that you need within, you know, one or two clicks. Awesome. So, What's interesting is that you take this, you know, you've got a very traditional business model. You know, you're an old school oil guy. You're used to the old school processes, but you're essentially a technology play at this point. How has it been for you, you know, to, to go through that process of building out a technology platform? Are you like very tech oriented or have you outsourced, you know, the teams to build those? How involved are you with that process of actually building out the platforms? That's a great question. My background in, in 1998, we actually started the first auto part locator service called findmypart.com. And I love it. So we had, we had a thousand part suppliers that were a part of our network in North America, Japan, Canada, Argentina, et cetera. So New used performance and aftermarket parts for cars, boats, trucks, motorcycles, jet skis, snowmobiles, and airplanes. <laughs> so if you needed a part, you come to our website, fill out a part request, and it would send and query our database, and it would send to whoever, you know, if it was a 2002 BMW taillight, you'd fill out a mm -hmm. request, and it'd go to all of our vendors. So that business model essentially is, is we created that from scratch, and at the time, I didn't know anything about technology. So there was a 98? This was 1998. Man, that's, Jesus, that's, like, that's early. Yeah. Man, I yeah was in, this is like dial-up days. I yeah, like, I, was in, I was in second grade. I don't even think we owned a computer yet at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. So that was my first foray into the tech space. Okay. One of my college roommates was my business partner, so he handled all the technology side, and I handled all the front-end sales and marketing. All the business development. All the and business all that, development. Yeah. That was it. And yeah. so I, I learned a lot about technology then, and then I ended up going back to school at SMU in 2000 to get some technical certifications. I went through and got you know some Microsoft certified. I got some Cisco and Citrix, and so I learned more about the technology 
And so I can at least talk the talk, yeah. but mm-hmm. I can't sit down and write code though. Well, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we talk about this all the time because, you know, when you have a startup and we, we see this all the time, you know, you'll have a, a developer or a programmer that's got a really good software, but typically engineers and developers don't have the skills, the business development skills to go out and well, get this the, product. The soft people skills either. Yeah, you know, yeah. Which kind of translates into the, the the business development, and really just like the sales and the marketing and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So when you're the business development guy, you got to have that high level forty thousand foot view of technology. That way, you can have the conversations with people, but you don't necessarily have to be the guy that's in there developing and, and writing code. I mean, I'm the same way. I can talk technology all day, but if you want to talk about the technical specifics of a blockchain fabric like i'll tell you right now i'm not gonna bullshit you i don't know what the fuck i'm talking about so we got a guy on our team for that (laughs) yeah yeah i got someone on the team for that you need to talk to him yeah the technology piece we have a lot of of companies that we kind of trust and have worked with and have developed you know specific assets or products for us in the past and so we rely heavily on them we kind of paint the picture here's what we want to create now you go build it Mm -hmm. what i take away from just like this little clip of kurt talking is that you're always fluid and dynamic in your learning. So you learn oil and gas, you learn technology, you're always, you're always learning. And it's funny, actually, we had someone at the happy hour the other day, a guy that had created an oil and gas software, sold it off, and we're talking blockchain and data. And he's like, okay, obviously you understand technology. How do you understand drilling? I was like, well, I worked on fucking drilling rigs for 10 years. So it's kind of, it's kind of easy to pick up the drilling right. part. But the underlying thing of that is, you know, you're not limited to learning what your, you know, what your primary focus or day job is. You can be in oil and gas. And I tell engineers coming out of school this all the time. I'm like, if you want to be valuable to the market, you need to be learning about technology. You need to get a little bit of uh, programming behind you, a little bit of coding. That way you can be a true value to oil companies moving forward in the future. You know, you don't just want to be a, a one trick pony, as I would say, you need to be learning these different facets because the way, the way the, the industry is moving forward, it's, it's needed. So that's, that's Absolutely. kind of the biggest thing that I, I took away from right there is that your success has been kind of a result of you're willing to learn about different things. And I mean, think about if you wouldn't have learned technology, you wouldn't have been in the position to build these platforms, which is a need in the market. You'd just be operating off of a traditional brokered model, which is antiquated. Absolutely. I think you kind of have this uncanny ability to, to identify not only the opportunities, but be able to put all the pieces in place to be able to actually act upon that. And we see this all the time when people are reaching out and they, they see these opportunities, but they don't know what the next step is. They don't know how they coordinate, you know, either the technology or building the right team or even just, you know, how do you, how do you execute and actually bring this to life? You know, and I think that's the hard part that people really, really struggle with. Yeah, I think, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes, but networking is such a big component of that. And, you know, you get Kurt here. Kurt is a very likable guy, social guy. He knows a lot of people and it's having that network to kind of bring all the pieces together. You know, you see you identify an opportunity in the market. You can't carry it out by yourself. You know, obviously, Kurt wears many hats right now. He's got, you know, a thousand, thousand things going on. <laughs> He's got to have the, the right supporting cast to build it out and, and bring that all together. So with that, with that said, what's some of the like challenges that you've seen building out these, these digital platforms for SWDs? What are kind of some of your biggest barriers and bottlenecks in that process? You know, really understanding our user base, because we work with a pretty diverse group of buyers and sellers. Some are tech savvy, some are not. 
some don't even know how to, you know, and check their own email, right? And <laughs> yeah. so getting those guys to up to speed and on how to use the technology, how to interact, use you know, with email, et cetera, has, has been kind of fun. Some guys are like, what's email? I don't even it's have It's a big a education barrier, right? Yeah. Just like kind of getting them conditioned mm-hmm. to operate on these platforms. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the... The website in itself is pretty simple. There's not a whole lot of bells and whistles to it right now, but we're adding with the new BIOS WD version 3.0 that we're creating and will be live you know, sometime next year. And we're going to have a lot of additional features and functionality, some really cool bells and whistles that will help companies through their due diligence process conduct market research, more mm. field level type intelligence to help them yeah. assess whether or not an asset, they should buy an asset or not, what's what kind of upside potential may exist. So using all of those resources and all of the data to their advantage to help expedite some of these transactions. So, Absolutely. And where are you guys at on transactions again? This year, we'll do about 50 million in total transactions. That's impressive, yeah. Yeah, so we've, we took it from 5 million to 50 million within three years, and our target's to do about 100 million next year. Awesome. So we'll see. That's great growth. Fingers crossed. Well, and I don't know if you want to disclose this on, on the podcast, but you, you're telling us about your user base, and I mean, you guys got an impressive amount of users on there. How did y'all build that up in such a short amount of time? Was there any marketing effort or was that just from previous connections? the cultural barrier. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was that just previous connections that you had and you got them on your platform, you know, just picking up the phone calling or was there actually a concentrated marketing effort to get those accredited investors on your platform? We've got a pretty diverse group. We've got, you know, buyers and sellers, could be trucking companies, oil field service companies. We've got pure play, saltwater disposal groups. We've got, you know, private equity groups investment groups you we've got all emp companies and so i think it's it's been a combination of things we've gone out we've got lists of individual operators from like the oklahoma corporation commission and then we would mail send a postcard or something <laughs> to every one of them just old-fashioned data old, mining. Yeah. Old school. We've, we've been through that yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we did some of that we, we put some ads in like shale play water management magazine permian basin oil and gas magazine oil man magazine so we've, we've we've done some advertising we've used social media like linkedin has, has really helped kind of you know get some eyeballs on us What's funny is that I did all of our SEO and I don't, I know very little about SEO <laughs> and we still pop up on the first page of Google every day. So well, it's, I think it that, works. I mean, that's how we found you was uh, through LinkedIn. We were doing some research on SWDs for a client of ours and, you know, you popped up. So, I mean, you know, I don't think a lot of people realize, but LinkedIn has a SEO component to it as well. Mm-hmm. And so you, you know, we were going through that old fashioned data mining process too of finding everybody that's involved with SWDs on LinkedIn, exporting them, putting them, you know, we build out these databases on Airtable and just, you know, building out our network Airtable that way. So cool. do you use Airtable? I'm very familiar with it. Yeah. Awesome. You're yeah. the first person who actually said yeah. you're the first Airtable. person that knows what it is. Constantly yeah. learning. Actually, my wife was the one that like pressured us into using it. She's like, you got it. She's like the Airtable queen. So she's kind of like forced us into it. And, and now we're, Airtable yeah, queen. yeah, she, <laughs> yeah. She, should, she should be getting paid by Airtable for how much she pushes it into, into people. But yeah, we, we use it all the time and, you know, 
essentially what you're doing with your your data mining. We just do it in a digital format now. So. I think it's funny that you mentioned SEO because we haven't talked about this in any of the other episodes, but Colin and I have just conversations about this daily about how nobody in oil and gas, especially on the service side, uses SEO whatsoever. We've looked at so many different websites and if you really, because there's tools you can actually analyze it and sometimes we'll just kind of go through and, and break down somebody's website just to kind of see and literally nobody does anything on the SEO side and they don't know how much traffic they're missing out on. It's not surprising. Yeah. Well, so know, it's, it's refreshing to hear that you've, you've dedicated some time to that and you guys are showing it first. And that I read the SEO for dummies book. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great starting point. I'm still an SEO dummy, but yeah. the thing is that once you figure it out, they change the algorithm six months later. You yeah. Have to just learn. Yeah, it all it's a constant again. process. You have to be in the weeds, but we were talking about this a little bit before we got on air. You know, SEO has a lot of synergy with content marketing and just like any technology within oil and gas, it's 10 years behind in oil and gas. Nobody's doing content marketing, SEO. I talk about this a lot on LinkedIn that, hey, you can put out simple posts, writing posts, putting videos. Curtis showed us a video that they shot out in Martin County, taking a drone out and shooting some wells and talking about the SWD process. And nobody's putting out content like that. And it's easy exposure. You know, Today, you got to pay the price to get attention in the market and you pay that price. You know, content is the currency to pay that price. So take advantage of simple things like this and you get eyeballs on your product and increase your user base. Mm -hmm. Look what we're doing right here with the podcast. You know, it's a piece of content marketing. People listen to this. They hear about SWD Invest, and, you know, it's all about exposure, especially in oil and gas. It's a yeah. wide open lane. I think more, more companies need to realize that they need to start documenting their process instead of just advertising all the time as well. Yeah. Like I get so fucking tired on LinkedIn, like some service company, but like, we can handle all your oil field needs. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. If you'd have some organic approach to your content marketing, you know, document what you're doing instead of just trying to shove your services down everybody's throat. And it's not very effective. Mm -hmm. <laughs> What's next for you guys? You know, no, Y'all are building out a huge technology stack, this huge ecosystem. What are you guys having to do to get that done? So, you know, our vision really for the future is to leverage this technology and create a ecosystem, if you will, for all things saltwater disposal related. Mm -hmm. So we want to cater to all the industry participants, buyers, sellers, investors, vendors, and service providers. We want to create a marketplace that really helps everyone interact and transact in the most efficient manner. So some of the other products that we'll be rolling out include like midstreammarket.com, which will be the first of its kind water-specific midstream marketplace. So if you want to buy a produced water gathering system or a water pipeline, where do you go find them? There isn't a marketplace. So one needs to be created. We figured, why not? Mm -hmm. Let's so make it happen. That, is that, you know, school me on this a little bit. I'm not familiar with that process. Does that just happen with a traditional off-market broker-dealer the way that it's done today? If you want to go buy a, a water gathering system, do you just have to get with a broker to put that transaction together? Well, before, really before the shale plays started getting hot, water wasn't such a big topic, right? It was yeah. just a waste stream. And now water is turned into a commodity. You know, it's just as valuable as oil almost, right? And so mm -hmm. whether it's dirty water, produced water, or fresh water or brine, it has a value. 
and both coming and going. So the entire life cycle of the water system within the energy space has an, an enormous amount of value. We sold a 475-mile pipeline last year, and that's what really kind of gave us the idea we need to create a, a midstream and infrastructure marketplace just for water assets. A lot of EMPs today are wanting to monetize their water assets and companies like Waterbridge, they just bought Halcon's infrastructure over in Ward County from Halcon. So, you know, H2O Midstream, Jim Summers and those guys bought Encana's water assets, all of their saltwater disposal wells and their network of gathering systems. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming big business. So we need to create a marketplace to allow those interchanges or, you know, to happen. So yeah, you got to take out all the, the pain points and the layers of resistance. If you can have this online platform where you can easily go and buy, sell, the transact. Old, old school way of doing things is you got to pick up the phone and you just got to call every EMP company in the country and say, hey, are you interested in, in, <laughs> in monetizing your infrastructure? You know, and you could do that if you want. It's going to take you a lot of time. So we want to create this marketplace to make it much more you know, quicker, faster, better, stronger, make yeah. it easier. And that's exactly what the, the new generation is wanting. I get so many calls all the time from people who are like, is there an Amazon for oil and gas where I can just like look up parts for this? And it was like, because that's what they want to do. They Google it first and then they can't find it. And then just like, well, shit, who do I call to find whatever part it is or whatever service it is? And having technology, I mean, we we should be able to find what we need within a click or two. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Everything should be at our disposal and it should be easy. Hey, you need to hire somebody to field repair one of your pumps or something. Go on the website, click a button where you're at, you know, kind of like a home advisor, if you yeah. will. And it's got a list of, you know, maybe not certified, but it has a list of service providers that you can see, hey, here's some, and, and you'll have comments on there. Hey, did this work? This guy's great. He's reputable or, you know, or, or not. When you look at it and you go to look up a restaurant, you look up the fucking reviews. <laughs> yeah. You know, with, within one click, you know, you, you find which restaurant you're interested in. You have reviews, you have all that information. And if you care that you much know, about a, you know, a $50 meal, why don't you care that much about a, you know, a $5 million well, or yeah, yeah. So we're, that you're paying hundreds of thousands of dollars in services. So we're creating SWD. Another product that we're going to be launching is called SWD jobs. That's what I say. SWD reviews.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Next product. <laughs> SWD. We'll keep that on the list. <laughs> SWD jobs.com is not just like an employment portal, but you can hire a contractor to come out and do work for you, you know, and find those, have access to those resources that you need. Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have this issue up in Oklahoma with our little marginal wells, just being able to easily find contractors to come out and work on our SWD or our wells is pain. You know, it's Absolutely. easy. It's easy when you're a company like Pioneer Natural Resources and you got everybody begging for your work. It's not so easy when you're especially little, when we're new to the area and, you know, we're still trying to figure out, I mean, we know our pumpers, we know a couple of the contractors that we've interfaced with so far, but it's really word of mouth because you can't find these guys online, you know? So it's, who do you call for this? Who do you call for that? And we kind of just figure it out and write it down. And I mean, when, we have a list on our desk. When, we, we, when we first bought those wells, we had to change out an insert pump and the one rig company that we knew they had a bigger client that just kept them busy and they're not going to put off that bigger client's work to come service our, our little, you know, $4,000 job. So we had a, you know, that put us back a few weeks and finally I had to make a post on LinkedIn. It's like, Hey, does anybody know any, any rig operators in this area? And actually we've had a lot of good luck, you know, just posting on LinkedIn and you, you get that word of mouth, but really that's, 
know, just think about how painful of a process that is just to find someone that you want to pay money to, to come do some work. So it's definitely a need for these digital platforms. And if you can build out this entire ecosystem from end to end where you can go and invest in SWD, you can buy it, you can sell it, you can find contractors. I mean, that's what's needed. Do you think you guys are going to like invoice for, let's say you hire a contractor, do you think you'll invoice and stuff through the platform or? You know, that's a, that's an idea that we're kind of working through. Obviously, our job is to make sure that we don't have any liability. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if some contractor does shitty work, we're going to make sure that that person, you know, basically doesn't get any more work. We're yes, reprimanded for it. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to remove them from the platform. So I think just to kind of control, you know, the quality of resources that we, you know, we help promote, we want to make sure that everybody's is legit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, make sure that there's satisfaction from both parties and that the work is quality because at the end of the day, if it's not quality work, that's a reflection of you guys, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Even though you're not involved with it, it it came from your platform, so. Exactly. So on that, on the topic of liability, since you guys are just connecting investors to SWD deals with buy SWD or invest SWD, you guys remove yourself out of all liability of the transaction since you're just essentially the, the connecting platform, right? Yeah, well, with, with SWDinvest.com, which is a new product that we're rolling out in January, we essentially are, are going to take some profitable saltwater disposal wells that we may have in our buy SWD inventory and sell fractional interest. So we'll allow other investors who may not have, you know, five or $10 million to go buy a saltwater disposal well, nor do they have the operating experience but they still want to participate and earn some of the cash flow. So we'll sell down pieces to individual accredited investors and give them an opportunity to capitalize on the water industry. So that's awesome. So you guys are rolling that out next month in January, man, we'll go live. So if you're on the the last sprint to get it to market. Yes, absolutely. Can you give us any details on that platform? Like what your minimum requirements are going to be for an accredited investor to get on a, a project or the amount of projects that you're going to launch with any anything that you can tease the audience with yeah so our first property that we're buying is in the permian basin and we're going to buy 70 percent of a disposal well out in martin county for about six million bucks it's taken i think twelve thousand barrels a day it's generating about 200 grand a month in cash flow and so the 70% that we're acquiring for 6 million we're going to break that up into 1% shares and they're $86,000 a share and so based on its current performance it'll generate about 15 1600 a month cool in income for every 86,000 invested so it's a 22% annualized rate of return coming out of the gate but the unique thing is is because we're saltwater disposal guys we have a pretty broad network and we're going to leverage our relationships and drive a lot more volume to that facility. Mm -hmm. So we'll secure additional pipeline contracts. So we'll probably take it from 12,000 a day to about 20,000 barrels a day. That's cool. So you'll actually have value add from your network. Mm -hmm. We roll up our sleeves and we want to really increase its, its value. So, I mean, essentially your interests are aligned with your investors. Correct. Yeah. At that point. So that gives confidence in your investor base that they know that you guys are going to do what you can to increase the value on that facility. Absolutely. So SWD invest. So you guys actually buy, so you guys buy the 70%, you guys sell off the entire 70% or you guys have skin in the game. We still, yeah, we invest alongside our investors. Very cool. Same price point, not promoted. 
we're buying it for six million bucks, we'll probably own maybe 10% of the well ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's very important. There's some other online funding platforms in this oil and gas space that don't always have their interests aligned. They don't have skin in the game. And I mean, this is just any type of, you know, fund or capital raising. If all parties aren't aligned, then it's not going to always turn out very well. Absolutely. So yeah, that's very important. From the people that, from the companies that you're buying from, what is their motivation to sell that 70%? Is it just lowering their risk exposure? Well, this or is one- a capital call or- you know, anytime somebody has a good cash flowing asset, mm -hmm. why would you sell? All right. Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. And some of these individuals are getting old. They may have some health concerns and they're just looking to retire. And yeah. you know, this one in particular, he owns about 20,000 acres. He's a, he's a cotton farmer by trade and he's got a lot of water wells on his property. So he's selling water to the EMPs. He's probably selling a hundred or 200,000 barrels of water a day at 50 cents a barrel. He's making more money than he knows what to do with. <laughs> so a little $6 million disposal well doesn't really move the needle much for him. Yeah. The guy's doing, he's doing all right. Yeah, some of those uh, cotton farmers out in West Texas, man, are just, it's yeah, something else, man. <laughs> You'd be out on their lease and it's just cotton for as far as you can see. And they just got all these wells all over. The man, water, just, now they're not even, they're not even using water for their own crops. You know? <laughs> Why would you? Yeah. We've, we've got hey, a, growing cotton's hard, man. <laughs> we've got a, an alfalfa farmer in Reeves County. We just picked up a property. We have a new listing that's 1,280 acres in Reeves County. County, they've got six water wells on the property and the farmer decided, Hey, I can sell this water and make more money than I can watering and growing my alfalfa crops. So he's got the production capacity of about 250 to 275,000 barrels a day. So at 50 cents a barrel, he can make 125 grand a day selling water. So wow. he wants to sell the whole farm and the water rights for like 12.8 million. So we just picked that up literally Friday and started marketing it. Jesus. We've already got groups that are interested in buying it. So it's the, the water, water business is, <laughs> is definitely growing. It's, it's big business now. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be active on this SWD. Yeah, it's a very interested. lucrative market. What are, you know, when you, when you, Talk about investing in upstream oil and gas assets. You know, obviously there's a lot of tax benefits that come along with that. There are a lot of tax benefits in the SWD industry. You know, with if you're going to drill a well, if you're building a saltwater disposal well from scratch and you're drilling it and building it, I know there's probably some intangibles and tangibles you can take, just yeah. like a traditional oil and gas investment. Yeah. I'm not a CPA, so I'm, I'm not exactly sure. You probably yeah. have to talk to an accountant, but <laughs> that's, that's um, the official statement. Yeah, this is my financial advice. Yeah. Yeah. But I think there are some tax benefits. I also think that there's a section 179 where if you put some equipment into service, if, if you purchase something, I think you can write off like up to a half a million dollars worth of equipment. But again, yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. We have a CPA that we're working with to help find out exactly what our tax benefits are. And I do know, like with SWD Invest, if the surface rights, if we're buying a saltwater disposal well and the surface rights, I do know that that property would qualify for a 1031 exchange. So if someone nice. is a real estate investor and they've just liquidated an apartment complex and they want to roll those proceeds into a saltwater disposal well, they can do it without any tax consequences. How does it work on the 
Well, let's, let's kind of talk about the, the mineral rights or the equivalent of that. Do you guys have to pay any royalties to any of the owners on the water side? Crazy in the water business for saltwater disposal. It's the surface estate that gets the royalties. So, mm -hmm. wow. Okay. Yeah, and mineral estate has nothing to do with the water, even though you're pumping water downhole <laughs> into their formations. Into their formations, yeah, <laughs> they don't receive any royalties. That's wow. interesting. Yeah, you would you wouldn't think you'd think that the mineral estate would. would I think there'd be like a whole other category of like water royalties. The, well, the surface estate owns the water rights, but they can be severed. You know, yeah. so people will still own the surface, but maybe they don't own their water the rights. Water rights, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that pretty, I'm sure that's pretty it's common, common words, fragmented like that. Yep. Yep. Man, I'm learning so much about water. I know, man. This is interesting. Water's where it's at, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's what, uh, I think I told you this before. We had a previous podcast on uh, oil and gas HSC podcast, and it was said that a lot of oil companies say that they're a water company that just happens to have oil as a byproduct. Yeah. And it's well, real. you know, like in the Permian. That's how, <laughs> that's, how, that's how our wells are, yeah. We make like 20 times more water than we do oil. <laughs> and, and that's true in a lot of areas. You know, you look at these shale plays, now they're drilling these super long laterals, right? They're drilling 10 or even 15,000 foot laterals now. And so for every single well, they're using a half a million barrels on average for a 10,000 foot lateral. Mm -hmm. As they continue to, to drill longer laterals and use, you know, more frack stages, some companies are using up to a million barrels of water just to frack one well. Man, Jesus. So all that water, you know, when you flow it back, a quarter of that water comes back immediately and gets trucked off to a disposal well. So if you've got a half a million barrel frack, you've got a hundred plus thousand barrels of water that you immediately have to truck to a disposal well. It's really wild just to think about how much water the industry uses. I remember back in, I think it was like 2010, Midland was going through like a severe drought. Yeah. I mean, really bad to the point where they were really concerned about water for the municipalities. And I just laugh. I'd be out there on the drilling rig and, you know, the a truck would come down to water down the, the lease road with fresh water, and, you know, to keep the dust down. And I'm just like, everybody's not knowing how they're going to have shower. fresh water to survive. <laughs> and we're out here just pissing water on, on dirt roads. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's just a little use case of, of water usage, not to mention how much water you use in the drilling and completion process. So, and, you know, people outside of the industry just aren't aware of uh, how much water is actually used. And it's mm -hmm. kind of can't even wrap your head around, you know, some of the statistics, I think, man, I don't want to get the statistic wrong, but I think it was by 2022, um, we'll have, is it uh, 8 million barrels of wastewater a day in the Permian alone? Something crazy like that. Don't quote me on that stat, but it's just like, what the fuck do we do with all that water? And well, think about it on the development side, right? If you, if there's 492 rigs running in West Texas alone right now, they're all drilling horizontals. They're all fracking, right? Each one of those rigs probably requires, I'd say 300,000 barrels of water on average. So what's 492 times 300,000 barrels every, <laughs> well, they're actually drilling and completing these wells now in like 15 days, yeah, which is crazy. Quick. It's quick. So look at just the water requirements going forward. How much water are we going to need to source? Is it fresh water? Is it brine? Or is it reused, produced water that's being reused? They're doing a lot of blending. They're doing some recycling. I think the statistic I heard is 
only 5% of the wastewater that's produced from oil and gas wells is actually being reused or recycled. Why, why is that? Is it just too expensive? I it's, think that the technology's not scalable to make it economically viable, yeah. it's my understanding. That's true. There's a lot of different you know recycling technologies that are out there, but I don't think there's any one real dominant player. I think mm-hmm. they're all kind of scrambling for market share at the moment. We'll get someone on the podcast soon, one of those technology that's that in that space and get you, their take. If you play around with the re- recycled water, reach out to us. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, we'll get we'll get their their take on it and see what they think. But you know, I don't think that there's gonna be a shortage of SWD usage in the <laughs> in the near term future. You know, the the regulatory environment's kinda changing. I know like in New Mexico, they're real tight and you can only put away water really of any substantial volume in the Devonian, which is they're 14 to 17,000 feet in vertical depth. Mm-hmm. So it is not cheap to drill one of those wells. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, mom and pops, you know, Billy Joe and <laughs> Betty Sue don't have eight or nine million dollars to drill and build a disposal well. Yeah. You know, so it really limits, yeah. limits the amount of players. And in New Mexico, their requirements for injection are much more stringent than Texas. You can only put away 0.2 PSI per foot as far as pressure. So if you've got a, say a 10,000 foot well, your max injection pressure is 2000 PSI versus Texas. If you have a 10,000 foot well, your injection pressure is 0.5 PSI per foot. So you're allowed 5,000 pounds of injection pressure. Mm. So you can put away substantially more volume in Texas than you can in New Mexico. Mm. And the wells are cheaper because you only have to drill a few thousand feet. And in correct Texas. me if I'm wrong, but the way that that works is it's not decided by the, the borderline, right? Like if you were to have a SWD out in West Texas, but that water table crosses over into New Mexico, doesn't New Mexico have regulation have a say in the injection pressures? Is is that correct? If there if the disposal well is in New Mexico versus in Texas, yeah, yeah. So say that say that you know you're you're injecting into a formation that runs across. You know, it's not dictated by state borders. Uh, that's yeah, it's my, where the well bore is. So if your okay. injection well is in New Mexico, yeah, then you're limited on your injection. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. Texas. Okay, so it falls within which, whichever state the actual well bore is yeah, in. Yeah, correct. Okay. And okay. now like in New Mexico, or excuse me, in, in Reeves County, there is a backlog of saltwater disposal permits, you know, because there's that's the most active county in the entire, you know, country. Mm-hmm. There are probably 200 permits for saltwater disposal wells that have been filed that are waiting. They've been waiting. Some of these companies are waiting up to a year. And part of that is due to a lot of the seismicity events. So there's, there's some induced seismic earthquakes that are occurring, and they're not sure if it's caused by fracking or if it's caused by underground injection. So Yeah, I lean towards injection wells. Yeah, being, they're causing yeah. problems. Yeah, for sure. So I think the state's going to start restricting the amount of water that you can inject, just like what happened up in Oklahoma Yeah, with the Arbuckle. So. I mean, state's going to crack down in certain areas, and I think Reeves County is going to be hit first. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens here over the next year or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we have a private SWD on one of our leases that's just for our usage, and 
nowhere near the, you know, I'm sitting here in your office. I'm looking at some of these. He've, Kurt's got these big canvas posters of some of their SWD facilities posted up on his wall. And you can tell that they're high dollar operations. It, you can def- walk past ours and miss it. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely the opposite of our operation. But a yeah. lot of these guys, you know, they're building, like, for instance, Hillstone Environmental. They are taking all of EOG's water up in Loving County. And they have three facilities that are capable of putting away 450,000 barrels a day. I mean, that's that's wild. And they're all re- literally within five miles of each other. And that's just to service one EMP. Jeez. There's a ton of water out there. Saltwater disposal is, is big business. So before we wrap up this podcast, you know, let's kind of talk about your entrepreneurship journey. We have a lot of listeners that are aspiring entrepreneurs. Do you have any advice that you could give these these people? Obviously, you've made the transition from the quote-unquote corporate world of working for operators into running your own operations, and you kind of you know did it out of. I see that you're you're very much an opportunist. You see an opportunity in the market, you go attack it. It doesn't really seem like you discriminate on what the opportunity is. You'll you'll go do it. Do you have any advice for these people that are looking to leave their job as an entrepreneur or geologist that might seek? I think one thing you said before we got on the mic, just to kind of interject really quickly, was that you don't work well for other people. And I know Colin and I can 100% relate. And I feel like that's a huge just like sign that you need you need to figure it out and go do some stuff on your own. But kind of what's your own take on that? Yeah, I mean, if you're working for someone and you're making them money, you know, there's always some risk attached, right? Well, you could stay with the cushy job and just collect your paycheck and, you know, but really how much vertical movement, how much opportunity really is there? If you're making a hundred grand a year, are you okay with that? Well, I'm not. Yeah. And so you've, you've got to have some balls. You got to take some risk. And on that point, you talk about it. There's not much upside, but people think that you have the cushy job or you're in place, but you got to look at the, the risk versus the reward. There's not much upside in having a corporate job all the time. Actually, in our industry, but with being all the layoffs. There's yeah. a lot of risk yeah. it's in yeah. oil and gas so that you have a good chance at some point of being laid off. So, you know, you got to look at the risk versus reward matrix of that. So Absolutely. Yeah, I'm a natural risk taker. And, you know, when you see an opportunity, It's really, can you execute? We've stumbled along the way. We've made a shit ton of mistakes. We'll continue to make mistakes, but we learn and grow from them. It's a Mm -hmm. very, very common theme for any successful entrepreneur. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff where I look back and go, man, I wish I would have done that differently. You know, (laughs) I've spent a lot of money on in areas that didn't provide a big return on investment. So really it's just the learning curve is out there. And I think if somebody's an entrepreneur and they want to start a business, the first thing I would tell them is, Go talk to somebody who has done that before and find some trusted advisors, right? Some mm-hmm. people that may take you under their, under their wing, mm-hmm. maybe some technology consultants, but really leverage your network and try and find people that can help guide you and prevent you from making some of the critical mistakes that I may have made in the past. And, and I think I, I really just tried to do stuff on my own. And I think the big lesson that I learned is I should have reached out and asked for help earlier on. Yeah. That's that's great advice, man. I, I couldn't agree more. And yeah, you know, we're males, we're proud and we're arrogant, right? Sometimes <laughs> we have a hard time asking for help. You know, a, I don't know all the answers. It's an ego issue. Absolutely. You have to be able to drop your ego. And you know, that's a realization that I've had in the past uh, one to two years. And finding mentors and advisors has been one of the biggest key components. Huge. To, yeah. Absolutely huge. I still have advisors, guys that I trust and bounce stuff off of literally every day. Yep. I'm talking to guys that have been there, done that, super successful, very well respected in our industry. 
and I have different advisors for different things, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's financial or it's business related or legal or what have you, we really leverage our, our relationships and I, and I trust or I cherish those, those assets. Awesome, man. I, I love that advice. That's, I mean, spot on. So if anybody wants to find you, Kurt, Invest SWD will be launching in January, probably soon after we'll be dropping this podcast a couple weeks after this conversation so it may be going live right at the time of this podcast dropping by swd where can they find you personally linkedin linkedin uh, we'll include your linkedin in the show notes your last name kind of hard to spell so i'm sure people are gonna yeah. have to yeah 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 y'all just guess if you if you can find them <laughs> well, the way we could do the same way we, we just searched swd and kurt was like the first thing that came up so <laughs> mr yeah. SWD. mr swd so kurt we're super excited about all the things you're doing we really appreciate you taking the time i've learned a lot about the water industry and i'm honestly like pretty hype yeah so i'm excited i'm gonna get in the swd game or i'm gonna invest one or the other <laughs> so we'll be we'll be tracking your progress man we'll have you on the show sometime to see how invest swd is going i would love to do a follow-up and just kind of awesome. check in and see how things are going let's do it man absolutely all right brother I appreciate you guys coming by thank you man cool man come, 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 come.